0: Welcome to Conversations
1: About Life.
0: Well, thank you, Pastor Brad, for uh, getting together with me for a conversation. And uh, it's just a privilege for me to be able to talk with you like this and ask you questions and everything. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
1: Glad to be here, Will.
0: So you are the um the senior associate pastor at First Baptist Church of Arnold, and is that um, kind of more of a, and I know you you do pastoring, but is your position a little bit more of overseeing and administrative mm-hmm. a little bit since it's as, as, as associate? Yeah, I,
1: I think that's right. Uh, really, what's happened is over time we've amassed a staff of about ten pastors. And we minister in different ways to different groups. But I'm kind of, as you said, an overseeing pastor where Pastor Kenny uh, primarily with preaching and leadership responsibilities uh, from the pulpit and pastoral care side. Mine is more operations, facilities, uh, staffing, uh, and the like. Okay.
0: So I picture you, like I don't know you real well, but I picture you as a, like a disciplined person, organized um, I see you you're running sometimes, or I used to. Are you still a runner?
1: <laughs> yeah, I still run. But it's funny because I'm trying to rework this left knee of mine that banged into the back of a little GMC Jimmy. He had like a, a little crate thing on the back of his vehicle. I ran into it one night while I was running. Oh, wow. And I haven't really fully recovered on that one, so I'm briskly walking these days. But, yeah, I'm grateful that I have the, and have for over 40 years, just the discipline but also really kind of the enjoyment of getting out by myself and running and or walking uh, it's something I've enjoyed yeah, yeah. so um,
0: how else would you describe yourself as a person um, like those that's just the concept I have of you: discipline organized and so forth but what what would you say about who Brad East is and what you're like
1: yeah, that that's a that's a great question. I remember being with my wife at a Bible study in someone's home shortly after I'd come to First Arnold, and uh, I remember us visiting with the group, and and someone asked Karen to describe me, <laughs> and it's interesting you use the word discipline, because that's what she said. She said, "Well, he's very disciplined." I don't know. I I see myself as someone who has. A, I'm a task-oriented person, so. I'm more transactional than relational. Sometimes in pastoring, that can get in the way because you're, you're thinking of a, a result or a goal instead of the people that are involved in the process of achieving the goal. And so I really have to take steps back and repent of the thought that everything is working according to action plans and goals. So that's kind of the way I was in school. Uh, I went to business school. I kind of had that orientation. Then God saved me in college, and I sensed that after I got out of school, that uh, I would work in a business scenario. And God just kept tugging my heart, and eventually went into seminary and came out with a degree, and have been in local church ever since. But I guess I've carried over my results or performance orientation a little bit into the local church, which which can be a problem, and I recognize it, but also. It, it can allow us to at least discuss what it means to to achieve certain goals. And so maybe that's me. I'm kind of a goal-oriented person, thus running, or, I mean, I have a watch when I run. So it's not like a lot of what I do kind of sounds like it's not fun. But for me, it's, uh, it's purposeful, and it does bring me a sense, a measure of satisfaction. So it's not like I'm just a real hardcore, you know, guy like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I've heard that before that um there's satisfaction in like making progress in something yeah or another you know moving forward sometimes um, people are pursuing happiness and i've heard um this guy i listen to sometime jordan peterson i'm
1: not sure if i know the whole character of that person i've heard the name yeah
0: okay and um he says you know you really should be seeking for meaning rather than happiness happiness is pretty elusive but mm-hmm. meaning um you know is kind of more taking on responsibility um is can be more satisfying and um, pres- result in i guess more satisf- happiness in life than yeah. just Seeking happiness, perhaps. I
1: think so. And for me, it's always been a metric or some sort of way to objectively analyze something. And that sounds kind of sterile and businesslike. But at some point, you do have to say, so how do we know when we're making any substantive gain or progress? And so that's why we you know I'll work with our staff and just say hey what does it look like to have victory or success in your area and of course relationships are a big part of that and always ought to be but it does that show itself in these four or five and then we'll look at objective metrics those kind of things I don't know I that's just the way the, the Lord's wired me but you know pastoring is is shepherding and people are the important part of pastoring it's not the results but in my world where I do things and organize, as you said, and try to show leadership, it's, it's has a lot to do with metrics and, uh, and meeting objectives, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so why Christianity? Um, you, you kind of referred to like the beginning of it for you. Um, so, you know, why are you involved in Christianity? Um, that might have something to do with just how to get, how to got started. So mm-hmm. just how would you reply to that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I was, uh, born into a family that were Presbyterian. Uh, my parents and grandparents, uh, they took me to the church as early as a, a child, a little baby, had me baptized in a Presbyterian church in Evansville, Indiana. And, uh, my mom wanted me to continue on and be confirmed in the church. And my daddy died. And, uh, my mom wanted me to keep doing things with church. And my sister wrote my confirmation paper that just got to tell you how into quote that experience I was. And I kind of walked away from that stuff and went to college. And, uh, it was there in college that someone, this guy named Brian from Minnesota, he came in, uh, to the dorm room, which in 1973, you could actually knock on doors in their dorm. You can't do that today. But he asked me if, uh, he could talk to me about Jesus Christ and my roommates scattered with laughter and they left, and I said, uh, hey, I'll visit with you more out of politeness and respect than an interest. He said, well, let's go down to the dorm lobby, and we went down there, and he sat at a table and pulled out a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws, and bottom, bottom line there is he shared with me that just as there are physical laws that govern the universe, so there are also spiritual laws that govern our relationship with God. He, he mentioned gravity as one of the physical, and I said, yeah, I get that, He said, well, here's how we have a relationship with God. and He explained that to me. It was totally independent of denomination or church. It had everything to do with a relationship and that God was wanting that, pursuing that, and that uh, I needed to consider that. So to be honest, after that conversation, he asked me if that's something I'd like to do. Again, transactional. But I said, you know what? Yeah, I really would. And so of my own free will, I said, I want you, Jesus, come in and make me the kind of person you want me to be change my life but i didn't know all of what that entailed at the time it was just knowing that that's what i i wanted so ever since that time i could see god doing a work in my heart and life and in my mind and uh i i couldn't explain it other than he'd he'd heard my prayer and he not only came in and and changed me but he provided an offer to me uh, by grace salvation and uh so that relationship now that started back in the fall of 73 continues on and my life is marked by it. I mean, I can't, I uh, heard someone say uh, anyone who's been uh, bit by the bug or has the disease of, of of Jesus will never be the same. And, you know, I, I I got bit by the Jesus bug in the sense of saying Jesus has changed me and I'll never be the same. And, you know, and I'm not one of those guys that'll recant that or kind of because I know what he did. God changed my life. So Christianity to me is Jesus is my rescuer. I admit it, and he's also my savior. I, I'm grateful for it. Uh, he's the one who I turn to when I, and, and often every day, turn to when I need direction for my life.
0: So at that time, um, did, was there a pretty um, like dramatic uh Shift like was it an ex- conversion experience, mm-hmm. like, um, or was it more of just you know you kind of made the decision and then over time you just saw changes and so forth.
1: Well, I had known about Jesus. Obviously, I you know when I was in the Presbyterian Church, uh, my brother Larry, who was uh, three years older than I, he had come to know the Lord in a little coffee house setting back in the late sixties in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, we were living in Indiana at the time and he encouraged me to to consider doing that. And of course, he was in that coffee house experience was kind of basically like a a little concert, indoor concert, and they had a guy share the gospel and he came to know the Lord. And he was telling me about the Lord. And I don't know, Will, if you remember, but back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a big youth movement uh, around the country, but especially in the Midwest. And so maybe I got kind of, the Lord allowed it to be that it influenced me, but I didn't make a decision then. It wasn't until Brian came and asked me, then all of those collective thoughts of, yeah, Larry said, and yeah, so-and-so, and yeah, the church, and all that came back to me. But I knew then that if that's something that, that could happen, I wanted that. Because I said, if, if that's something that you're saying is real, I want that. Uh, you yeah, know, I think when you're young, sometimes you look at everything with a little bit of suspicion, like, oh, that can't be real, that can't be true. But yeah. I mean, the Lord just settled me down enough to listen to him and say, you, you this is what you need. I want this for you. I want Amen. us to have this relationship. So yeah, that, and, and over time that, and that's a, the joy of the local church is I've been able to grow in that relationship because I've been encouraged by pastors. I've been encouraged by uh, lay people who, who are, are, are great people and love the Lord. And, uh, To me, the church has always been that community that's helped spur me on, kind of like the encourager that that I may not have had, but they are the encourager.
0: Yeah. Um, Have there been any particular uh, books that's really impacted your life or, you know, any influential books?
1: Yeah, you know, and that's probably one of the big regrets I have. My wife laughs. She goes, you're not much of a reader. I said, no, I like to skim a lot of stuff. I don't read hardly anything page to page, back to back. Yeah. Uh, books, though, yeah. I mean, I, I've read books uh, that have been recommended through some of the peer groups that I'm a part of. Uh, uh, some of the authors that, that I've enjoyed over the past years, Of course, Josh McDowell wrote some of those books back in the day when I was in college and, and working through the, the apologetics side of coming to know Jesus and— then of course some pastors who've written books and uh yeah to me uh i'm not someone i've got a library and i've got books but to me i'm not someone who would be able to uh to be able to say these are four of my favorite authors but uh yeah just a series of books and right now just to be honest i i probably do more reading of blogs and and uh snippets that's me than to go into a hey, East, you really need to read this book. And if they hand it to me and it's 280 pages, I'll do it. But it's sort of like, you mean if I read 280 pages, I'm going to be changed by this? So anyway, there's some good books. I'd be hard-pressed to say what recently. I just read one with our staff. Uh, Actually, it's called uh, 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 Deliberate Simplicity. And it's uh, how the church can do more by doing less, and uh, meaning less frantic pace, less events driven, program driven things. So sometimes I'll read books that have to do with uh, of application to my position on staff, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What seems to
0: cause growth in you? Like when you kind of think back over your life, um, was it people or events or just something you were going through or what seems to push you along as a person growing in your character and, and mm-hmm. knowledge of God and so forth?
1: Well, I have to say that that has to be the Lord in me over time, because if I'll spend time with Him, and I do intentionally, I'm I'm wanting to grow up as I grow old, because I'm an older man now. You know, I was saved at 18. I'm 65. Uh, What's allowed me to grow has been, and I mentioned this earlier, some encouragers, but also just my own time with the Lord. I mean, I—and I want to say that absent of that— uh you know like you and like others Christian music listening to that uh hearing uh favorite preachers recorded or live uh bible teachers uh there there's so much and you know this in our society in, in America there's so much available that we almost tend to just have a smorgasbord of 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 great teaching preaching and musicians but I really need that personal time with the lord and 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 god knows that and so there are things that are heavy on my heart, family-related things that I'll pray for, and and uh, and Lord, thank you for this. And uh, but, but my walk with the Lord is probably what's refreshed me and kept me growing more than anything. Is that um, so? What does that look
0: like? Um, um, do you have a certain time where you just? Uh, opening up the Bible and mm-hmm. reading, praying, or is that mm-hmm. what it's like? Or
1: And you know, over these many years, uh, that's changed a little bit because when we were hurried and raising a family, sometimes the morning wasn't the best for me because we were always getting up and getting at it and the kids got to be there, and there. But now that uh, this The kids are now adult children. Uh, I find the morning time more refreshing and relaxed and be able to spend some time, open God's Word. It may be one day, it may take the form of, or one week, it might take the form of reading our daily bread and just uh, reading the Scripture associated with that. I used to think that was a cop-out, and that's certainly not all I would do, but I think it's good to have resources sometimes sitting alongside your Bible that you can look to and gain experience from but I'll read a Psalm and a proverb almost every day of my life. Uh, Psalms meaning just the praise and and poetry of the beauty of God and and Proverbs, uh, just wisdom. Just, you know, one of my life verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean upon your own understanding in all your ways, in every way. Uh, Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So I, I memorize scripture to grow uh, I spend time in the morning uh unhurried as much as I can uh and then of course, throughout the day because of my work, my interactions you know are surrounded by opportunities to either counsel from scripture or uh prepare something scripture related maybe that's one of the benefits in fact, I know it is of I'm the chief beneficiary when I go to God's word. But if I'm preparing something for others to hear or listen to, I'm still the beneficiary of doing that. So I grow from that. Yeah. And others may say, hey, I really enjoyed that. And I would say, well, thank you, because that's what the Lord spoke to me about and is still speaking to me about. So good stuff that way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> so um, how is it with you for... Relationships? Um, are you you happy with your social life and relational mm-hmm. life? And do you have to? Um, is there anything in particular that you do to invest in in that, um, or uh, you know anything along those lines? Mm-hmm. Do
1: you? Yeah, I. You know, it's an interesting question because in the ministry, uh, you, you can you can have. Acquaintances, and you can have friends, but not a lot goes deep. With me, anyway, I don't. I don't have deep, abiding friendships necessarily with others. I'm. I'm well regarded by others, and I'm very much uh, loved by others, and I love others, and uh, they endear themselves to me, and I to them. But as far as outside of immediate family, you know, I don't. I'm not the kind of person that needs. I don't think I do. Needs a lot of uh, interaction with others. I don't, Karen and I don't have a pace on our uh, calendars of you know trying to get together with two couples a month or something like that. And maybe that's to our uh, disadvantage, but we we just have not done that. And therefore, I guess one could say uh, I don't have to have that. Uh, if someone were to call and say, "Can we get together?" For instance, we just had. To, situation yesterday. Hey, would you drop by? We've got a thing going on for two hours. Just drop in, say hello, and we'll do a lot of those. But as far as saying, hey, we're, we're going to go out once a month with a certain couple, you know, we haven't done it, and I don't know if we've missed it. And would it have strengthened my ministry had I done that, or would it have helped other families should I have done that? I don't know. Those are good questions. I guess I'll always wonder, but I don't personally have a need to do it in terms of saying, man, I'm starving. I need relationships because I get a lot of interaction in the role that I'm in. And uh, right. But again, I don't want to be standoffish either. I don't want people to look at me as, oh, well, he's just this or he'll never talk to you because I personally greet people in the morning and welcome people. And one of the things that I feel like I, the Lord's given me kind of a, a bent toward is just being folksy and pleasant and being real. But I don't need to necessarily say, hey, "Oh, by the way, let's go out to eat or, you know, that kind of thing."
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess as far as like someone to really kind of go deeper with, you have your wife and you you probably that I guess that's where that is met as far as that relational need to um you know, just to bare one's chest and really talk yeah. about, you know,
1: yeah. things like that <clears throat> yeah you know will there was a time when accountability was a well, kind of the buzzword and you need to hold you, know, you need to have someone as accountability partner or a mentor and i get that i i never sought that out and it never came to me and so if i ever had something that i needed to talk with a guy about it's probably one of my pastor buddies not to say that lay people didn't have input but probably so just because i'm around them more and uh and, you know, that may be that may go as far back as other churches where I've served or some pastors that I've known along the way. And I'll just, you know, call them and just say, hey, but I'm, I'm in a way I'm thanking the Lord that I haven't really had the struggles that I hear so many that go through. Not that I'm not that I'm not exposed to difficult and challenges. I have been, but I haven't really had anything that's kind of knocked me back so far that I thought, man, I, I, I got to get I got to get straight on this. I need to talk to someone. or So I still appreciate wise counsel. I don't know everything. I know very few things, but I know the Lord has given me kind of a resilience, a spirit of resilience and just trusting Him. Maybe that's through some of the difficulty and loss I've had over the years in family members. Uh, and that may have marked my life a little bit. And maybe part of what me going the performance route, whether it would be with competitive sports or the work situation, maybe part of that's proving, you know, trying to prove things. I I don't need to prove things, but maybe that's part of it. The underlying part of that is, you know, do I have enough of a relationship with the Lord that I can honestly say, Lord, I know I don't have to prove myself. You've proved your love for me and that's enough. But anyway, I've been okay with the other side of not having deep relationships and you know, in the pastor, you move around some. And uh, prior to coming here where I'm on staff and have been now for over 20 years, uh, you know, we we serve sometimes six years or eight years or three years. And so I've been in five churches over 40 years. And gratefully, this, this past assignment has been one that we've kind of been able to raise our children. We came here when our kids were 13, nine and seven. And of course, now here 20 some years later, they're all in their 30s. So I've been grateful. We've had great relationships, and uh, the Lord's given me, I guess, enough uh, of a measure to keep me grounded and, and balanced, I pray. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is um, is there any, uh, like, you know, Paul refers to having a thorn in their flesh, but God's grace is sufficient mm-hmm. for him, and some people have like a particular um, thing um, that for them, you know, they would not choose it, but it's just kind of their lot in life, mm-hmm. and God um, <clears throat> might use that, um, you know, to cause them to learn to trust him more, or or um, they might not know what, what it's for, but is there any um, particular thing in your life that... Um, you know, that you feel free to speak about that's um, difficult, you wouldn't choose, but it's just kind of particular to you and you have to uh, trust God with it and and go on and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe God even uses it, has used it to strengthen you perhaps. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I would have said no uh, years ago, uh, but now having experienced what I've experienced with my wife with regard to her health, you know, you you have this vision of what the future will be like, and then when you get bad news health-wise, and of course, Karen was diagnosed in uh, 2004, January, uh, with uh, multiple sclerosis, and at the time, I knew that my mom had had that, and it's not, you know, it's not that uh, I knew, I knew it wasn't a death sentence, but I also it was life-limiting, and with uh, with Karen's MS, I thought, wow. You know, this is going to limit us, and that's a selfish thing. It's going to limit us a lot of what we might could have done, or even in the future, what we can do. So for me, it was—I don't know if that'd be the thorn. Uh, It was a concern. I've left it with the Lord. She's had to bear the brunt of kind of a diminished quality of life. It's—it's sad. I don't like that, but she's not bedridden. She's not wheelchair bound. Uh, So, but yeah, if I've had to endure something as a husband these past 17 years and uh that's that's been a little difficult but again nothing to do with anything other than just what i've experienced or maybe my oldest son jordan whom i love dearly and uh, you know he's he's made commitments that are not uh to not necessarily god honoring and uh, we we have lots of conversations he's got a loving heart Um, so those are maybe more disappointments than they are a thorn or uh, something a, a cross i have to bear i I see that as the normal course of living, where uh, not everything is as we wish, but it is as it is. And how do we approach that? And will I have to tell you? It goes right back to that thing about a relationship with the Lord. If you're walking with Him, He's going to give you your supply, and He has for me. I have moments of of uh, disappointment, but I don't grovel in that. And I just I'm an I'm an I'm an optimistic person at heart, and I. I really want to believe and I do trust that the Lord uh has all power. There's nothing too difficult for him. There's nothing he cannot do. Uh and I never ask him, you know, I, I want his will. I never ask him to change things just for my sake. I, I you know, that that's selfishness. But I but I do want him to know that my heart yearns for, you know, Karen's health to to be solid and for my son's salvation to be real to him. So yeah, those, those are things that, again, as a husband and a father that I long for. Yeah.
0: So, um, you know, you mentioned how, um, the fellow walked into your dorm room and just started sharing just yeah. really kind of frank and <clears throat> front. And so, so is that what you do? Like, um, as far as sh- uh, uh, like it's with, with evangelism and mm-hmm. stuff, would you kind of go about things the same way, you know, like let's go through these four spiritual laws Mm -hmm. or, um, what's your involvement with evangelism or is it more of, um, in the church, you know, from the pulpit type of Mm -hmm. evangelism or
1: that's a fair question. You know, uh, 20 years ago, uh, we actually, as a church participated in what we would call outreach or Monday night outreach and we would take uh, names of individuals who were uh, either coming on our campus to events or to a service, and we would follow up with the family. Hey, I see you're new in the area. Just wanted to stop at the door and say hello, any questions we can answer. And sometimes they'd invite us in. Again, you're talking 20 years ago when we did this. And we would then have opportunity to have a conversation about, tell me about the time that you came to know the Lord. And uh, so those were, always, those were hopeful times for me because... I'm the kind of person that just likes to have a springboard into a gospel conversation. I just wanted to just, you know, like, here, read this. It was it was more of a natural thing. And we've, we've not done that in, in recent years because of the knocking on door, the connotation that people don't want to be disturbed or interrupted. And we'd always go at 7, between 7 and 8. So for some people, that was getting kids ready for bed. For some people, that was just getting home late and having supper. So we never could hit the sweet spot on when to visit. So we kind of pushed that off and we would do calls and other kinds of communication. So I say that the answer to the question on evangelism is we're always looking for opportunities and, and God needs to, and he does make those opportunities, uh, aware to us, make them available to us. And we are still sharing. For instance, just last week, I shared a booklet called, uh, uh steps to peace with God and, uh, I did that with a gal who came in and was a a representative for an advertising company and doing some things through uh, that uh, online and internet advertising. So we're always looking for opportunities to share something, even if it's just briefly, hey, this is what's changed my life. Uh, Maybe when you have time, just look at it. If you have questions, my name and number's on the back. So the answer to that is, yes, we do want to do things one-on-one, but we also want to do things, as you said, from the pulpit, on Sundays, and then just encourage people to, uh, to find out what the gospel is and what God really, I mean, he loves us so much. He really wants a relationship with us and we want to continue to teach that. What gives you confidence
0: in, you know, the gospel story, um, like Jesus' resurrection, um, us being resurrected. These are like, these are amazing things mm-hmm. that we believe. Um, Is there, you know, anything in particular that uh, you look to for just
1: confidence in all of this? Yeah. Well, you know, I I go back to God's Word because it really is a treasure to me. Uh, The Bible is an amazing book, and the more I read God's Word, because again, the Bible is not just words about God. We and I really believe it's God's Word to us. So if I believe it's God's Word I need to get that into my life as much as I can. And that's where the encouragement you mentioned about the resurrection. I mean, anytime I'll maybe doing a a memorial or funeral service and talk about Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I, I look at words like that. And I think that's, that's God saying that this is true. This is, this is. And so the Bible has always been a big part of my life. I grew up uh, not a saved person, came to know the Lord. Camps Crusade for Christ helped to disciple me a little bit in college, and then when I went into a local church, I began to get discipled through the teaching and preaching of the pastor and and other good friends. So, but it was always the Bible. You need to memorize Scripture. You need to. So that's where my encouragement comes from. Just to be honest, it's, it's God's Word, and uh, that's yeah. that's primary. But it's got to be there for all of us because. I can't run on the fumes of someone else's encouragement. I've got to have my own, and that's that's the Bible to me. Right.
0: So it comes from the Bible, and your confidence in the Bible yeah. is more of just your experience with it, reading it, and it just— um hits home as authoritative or something yeah. along those lines. I think
1: that's exactly right, Will. You know, we talk about it being inerrant, meaning without any error. Uh, talk about any being authoritative. You know, it's, it's, it's God's Word to us. God's power in us is the Holy Spirit. God's Word to us is the Bible. I believe that with the Spirit of God living in me and me having the insight to read it and understand it, again, I don't understand it all. I don't. And when someone can amplify it or, or comment on it, and help me to unpack it. I'm grateful for their wisdom, but I still want to know God's word and I want to grow in that. I don't have anything else to offer people. You know, if if it were to me, to my children, dad, what can you offer us? I can commend them to Jesus, but I have to say, guys, it came, came, my relationship came about as a result of someone asking me, did I know something about me? Did I know for sure that I was uh, gonna spend forever with Jesus in heaven? Uh, these were diagnostic questions, but the only way that it was proven to me that I could have assurance of these things was the Bible. So I always try to encourage my children, encourage myself, my wife to stay in God's word, because that's where we're going to stay uh, encouraged and and really we're going to have direction for our lives. So yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not as much of an experiential person as I am. That, like you said, looking for the authority of God's word is, if it's authoritative and true, help me, Lord, to spend time in it because it's it's your power. Right. Yeah. But taking it as
0: true and authoritative, that's kind of an intuitive thing, or kind of, I mean, um, a matter of faith. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, it just kind of removes takes it one step back. So, you know, why do we believe Jesus, the resurrection, the word? Why do we believe the word? You know, somewhere it it almost seems like it, there's just some kind of spiritual witness to it or, or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, you have to have... So, you under, kind of understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it seems like... Um, is that how you how you think of it yeah so
1: if you think about it uh the lord said or thus saith the lord or god said i mean all the time in scripture if we're trying to say what is god trying to say to us we're not going to answer that question waiting for an experience to happen we've got to get into the basis of what god's already said instead of looking for other things well what did god say in this situation uh like a, uh, what did god say to moses uh what did god say to paul and I need to know these characters and the, and the trials they've been through. What was Job uh, lamenting about? Uh, yes, I've had difficulty. Job says, "Though he slay me, yet shall I praise him." How do we know how to react when we have difficulty? That comes from exposure to biblical teaching and preaching, or reading God's word. And I don't know. I I, I really can't. I can't summarize it any other way than to say that. Uh, When I came to know the Lord and I asked him to make me the kind of person he wants me to be, that kind of open-ended thought was that he would lead me to have an appetite for growing in him and maturing in him and not staying like the Bible talks about, like an infant in Christ. I'm in Christ, but I don't want to be an infant. I want to grow, and that growth is in direct relation to how much I'm willing to invest in The Word, God's Word, growing stronger in God's Word. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: what do you know about life now that you wish you knew when you were younger?
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's good. Well, of course, when I'm younger, I'm more ambitious. I'm more uneducated. I'm more uh, open to anything and everything. Uh, so I really, I still want to have an openness. I guess maybe over the years, I've kind of closed in on the the non-negotiables in terms of, and we talked about walk with the Lord, those kind of things. Uh, I guess maybe if I, I wish more, now that I would have known younger was to open up and be a good listener, rather than trying to oh I've got an answer for that oh I've got I can fix that oh I can so for me maybe it would be less of a less of a thought of how I can fix or change things or mend things, and more of let me listen to you and uh, let me help you in ways that I can. Uh, so maybe the loving, listening, the patient love and listening that I haven't really been that strong with, I, I've i seen that over time, how that's really a, a deficit of mine. I'm not a patient person, therefore I don't listen as much. Therefore, and I'm not as compassionate because when difficult things happen to me, my reckoning or reasoning is this too shall pass, and we just continue on in God's grace, rather than listening to a person I might try to I might try to give them that advice so yeah uh, yeah so for me probably just learning some of those lessons the hard way of uh yeah just being a patient loving person rather than just a you know task oriented and you know that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah is there any particular bible passage that's just been meaningful to you lately or anything you've been just turning around in your head pondering on or hmm. that type of thing
1: hmm. well another one of my verses that i've come across and i told you i'd read the psalm some but it's, uh psalm 84 11 uh, the lord god is a sun and a shield he gives grace and glory and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly you know uh the uprightly is of course all because of jesus and his righteousness i'm not an upright person in that regard but I want to live a life that brings honor, not because of what I can get from it, but he's a son, which means he gives the light and the brightness to my life. And he's a shield, which means he can provide and protect me. And I really do believe that's who God is to me. He's my son and my shield. And for that, I'm very grateful. And those verses, as much as when I was a younger man uh, and I was able to memorize verses, that has been one of the greatest things in my life that's helped me to even to this day is to be able to have some handle on God's Word that I can bring back up. That, and I know at some point my memory won't be there, and I, I get all that. But right now, uh, the, the things, as you mentioned, that are going around in my mind are just those verses, those life verses that I keep going back to. Uh, uh, Jesus talking about in Matthew 6, 33, uh, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things that you worry or so anxious about, they'll be added to you. So I'm constantly reminded of that. I try to remind my children of that. I pray over them and for them. Uh, They're no longer in our household, but those are the kind of things I want for my children to understand that their dad has not figured out, but their dad has understood. Uh, So yeah, just rattling around in my mind is what kind of legacy I'm leaving spiritually and uh what the, what impact has my life had on them has it been profound or not so profound and all I know to do is just trust the lord with each one of my children and their their uh futures but my own is just kind of set in lord you're growing me up i ask you to change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be and I prayed that one time, but truthfully, I pray that all the time. Keep changing me and make me, making me more into the kind of person you want me to be, more like you, uh, from what I understand who you were, Jesus. And I know you were God, but you were also 100% human and uh, help me to, with all my human frailties to still show the love and, and show the grace that you've extended to me. Help me do that to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, you mentioned love. What? Um, so, what? What do you mean by love? Like when you're t- you're thinking of loving other people, mm-hmm. um, loving those around us. Um, like, how, what do you picture that as far as like the definition of love, or like, or what do you what are you thinking mm-hmm. about when it comes to love?
1: Probably meeting needs that are that needs that are expressed. Okay, it's very difficult to meet needs that are withheld, but you see needs expressed, you want to meet them. I mean, I've always been one of those guys that I say, hey, if you can see a need, meet a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be as little as walking around and picking up a piece of trash. And we say, oh, well, that, we've got a maintenance team for that. No, no, no. You pick that up. That's, that's meeting a need. Now, that's showing love in a vague sense. But for someone who has expressed a need and me have the ability to meet the need, it would be not loving to not attempt or in some fashion meet the need. Uh, so for me, that's, that's the way I see love. Uh, so yeah, to love others is also to tell them truth mm-hmm. and not to be dogmatic about it or unkind or uh, kind of, a, uh, you need to know this, but in love saying, hey, this is, this is God's plan or this is God's purpose for our lives. And so sharing truth, meeting needs. Uh, I mentioned how I'm kind of poor at being the patient listener. But I think I think you love people through those ways and trying to offer them truth, which is that when someone's really suffering or hurting, uh, there is a rescuer, there is a deliverer from there. Someone wants to call us up and call us out of our hurt and our pain, and and His name is Jesus, and He's real. And so for me, love is is just trying to share truth, and uh, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well thanks pastor brad um is there anything else that you know that you would like to bring up for discussion or a topic before we just wrap up i don't know will
1: I, probably not I, I uh you know I appreciate the friendship we've had over the years knowing your family some and uh you know it goes back quite a ways for us because i remember you were taking photographs of my uh, graduating senior in high school back in 2002 i think it was uh hannah and uh so anyway, I appreciate our relationship and your family. And uh, other than that, just to be able to say that it's a privilege to, to know the Lord and be known by him. And I am grateful where God has me. And I know I'm still uh, wanting to grow. I want to grow in my love for him. And I want, to, I want that to be something that others can benefit from as well as myself. So thanks for the privilege of sharing these thoughts today, Will. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for your
0: steady work in serving the Lord, serving the church over the years. Yeah. I appreciate Amen. that. Amen.